Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help. Legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 42 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Clio, and its suite of online law practice management tools. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Tom, in our last episode, we shared some of our observations and tips about traveling with technology. In this episode, we're going to take a look at some exciting new developments in bringing practical skills, including actual legal technology skills, to law students at law schools. And we have lots of guests today to help us tell the story. Tom, do you want to tell our listeners what we have on the agenda for this episode? Absolutely. Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we have some special guests to talk with us about how one law school is helping its students learn more about actually using technology to run a law practice. And as usual, we will end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use the second that this podcast is over. But on to our main topic today, which is law schools and practice management education. Dennis, I don't know about you, but my law school education was sorely lacking when it came to equipping me with some of the basic skills it takes to practice law. And I don't really mean writing or research, because I got a lot of that. Uh, Really effective advocacy, even. I, I got a lot of that, too. But I'm talking about the basic skills of running a business, marketing, finance, technology, general management skills. And understanding how to use technology in your practice are all incredibly important. And I have to say that in the 20 years since I graduated, I don't think a lot has changed at a lot of law schools that are out there. But in this episode, we want to introduce you to one or law school program that's trying to change that. Dennis, want to introduce our guests? Yeah, Tom, I'm happy to do that. And the law school is is Georgia State. And uh, I agree with you. All of my practical skills training came on the job and especially on the technology side. So I'm thrilled to have uh, the guests we have to talk about what they're experimenting with at at Georgia State uh, University College of Law. And so we have uh, two guests in our first segment from Georgia State. Uh, First is Clark Cunningham, who is the director of the National Institute for Teaching Ethics and Professionalism, and the W. Lee Burge Professor of Law and Ethics at Georgia State College of Law. He teaches the fundamentals of law practice among his other classes. And and we also have one of his students, Jonathan Call, who's a third-year law student who's uh, kind of taken the the experiment and and run with it a little bit uh, on on his own. And so we wanted to get the two of them to... uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. And let me start with you, Clark, and say, can you give us a little background on on the efforts that you made there and, and especially what motivated the experiment you're trying? Well, the course that we're talking about, the Fundamentals of Law Practice, is a brand new course here at uh, Georgia State uh, offered for the first time last spring and being taught again next uh, spring. Uh, and it's actually, I would say, uh, a new course at any law school in the United States. Uh, we looked at other examples, but in designing this course, we, I think we came up with something that is fairly distinctive and new. The identified purpose of the course was uh, that students would learn practice skills and ethical decision-making through simulating the work of a small general practice law firm. And our interest in uh, case management software had, had sort of two motivations. One is the obvious thing, 
That is, that in, in the 21st century, uh, the practice of a small general practice law firm necessarily will include uh, using electronic case management tools, or at least uh, being aware of them. And so we certainly wanted to teach about uh, case management software as a topic in the course. But uh, the, we ended up using Clio in, in a much more profound and systematic way in the course, because what we also wanted to do was to, in the course itself, try to create, a, as much as we could, an authentic simulation of what it's like to be a solo practitioner or a small firm practitioner. And so what we were able to use, thanks to Clio making the software available free of charge to us and our students and also their willingness to customize the software for our purposes, is that we actually taught the class through the software. Uh, Jonathan, uh, one of our former students, can probably give you some more details on it. But, for example, they had to keep weekly time records, um, and they did it on the software. Uh, they had to use the calendaring function to schedule events. Uh, uh, assignments were done on the software, uh, reviewed that way. Um, and so the use of Clio actually enabled them to uh, experience in many ways the, the time pressures of small firm practice, the ability, the ability and the need to multitask, the ability to plan, organize, and so on. Well, Jonathan, that, that brings up a, a good question, which is, uh, I, I would imagine, uh, unless you had taken previous computer classes, that this was probably one of the first classes you had, certainly in law school anyway, where working on a computer-based program was, was a major part of the curriculum. How did you and the class react to the proposal to use Clio in class? Um, I was really excited when I found out that that was going to be one of the components of the class because I, I love technology. In my previous life, as I call it, my other uh, career, I used to evaluate software and do things like that. And it was, it was really exciting to see that I was going to have a, an opportunity to be exposed to that um, and just kind of get my hands in the pot and kind of play with it. And the other students that were my friends in that class felt the same way. Even those that were a little shy of technology were excited to, to just have this exposure in a way that they weren't going to really affect them or potentially damage their careers if they mess something up. So it was really nice. So let me ask real quick, uh, Dennis, let me interrupt and ask real quick. So, so what, you know, Professor Cunningham has told us kind of in general what you were expected to do. How often were you on the software? What, what were you, were you on it daily? Were you working all, all, all week on it? What kind of give us an idea of what you did, what your daily routine was with the Clio software? Um, I, I was probably on it three times a week. Um, for the class, um, we, we would have various things we had to turn in at, at different times during the week, along with our timesheets and stuff like that. And so I would, I didn't get on it every day because I would focus on other class classes, but it was really nice um, when we finally had access to the software to be, get on there and have access to all the materials at once. Because previously we had, we'd been sending emails back and forth, and it was hard to kind of track that. And the Clio software put everything in one little box. So we could just pull it up and see everything we were doing all at once. It was really nice. Well, Clark, I want to ask you if I, you know, if, if Jonathan's response is typical, and then so in a way, what was the the student response, and and then if, if you would maybe what have you heard from uh, potential employers about what they think of this project, and and uh, what what are the other faculty thinking of this uh, somewhat radical uh, experiment you're trying here? Well, the the st we did a supplemental student evaluation for the course. 
uh, where we specifically asked about uh, how educational and useful was the use of Clio, uh, and on a sort of a scale of, of one to five, uh, two-thirds of the students rated the use of Clio as, as either helpful or very helpful as part of the educational experience. Um, and then we also had an opportunity for people to offer specific comments. Here's one quote, Clio is great. I think it should be required for every law student to use some sort of case management or time management software before graduation. It is a key skill every lawyer needs, and using Clio was incredibly useful. Um, and another quote, sh- short and to the point, fantastic, I want one. <laughs> now, Jonathan, I, I understand that you um, actually took Clio out and used it during a summer internship this summer. Were you able to incorporate that into your clerkship? Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm still using it because um, I'm, I'm still doing part-time work for that firm. But it's it's fantastic. Um the, the, one of my favorite things about Clio is that you, it's not so rigid and formal that you have to follow strict guidelines. I've done things that have adapted it for my use as a law student intern, as opposed to what I would be doing if I was a, you know, a full-fledged attorney with my own practice. And it's just been so flexible and easy to use that I've, I've just really enjoyed it. And I'm, I, I already know I'm going to keep using it after I start my own practice when I graduate. Yeah, Clark. Let me circle back. I wanted to see what uh, what potential employers were the reactions you might have got from the, uh, the the law firm community. Whether they see this as a as a plus, which I I really suspect they do, because I think that probably as I talk to to different lawyers, I don't know there's ever been a bigger disconnect between what law firms feel the skills they'd like to see from the new lawyers are and and what they think they're getting from law firms. So I think this really is a is a great. Idea. Idea to bridge that gap, but are you getting a positive the positive feedback from from law firms and other employers yet? It probably is a little early for that, other than the kind of thing Jonathan is talking about, where his uh, summer employer um, is getting familiar with Clio because Jonathan got an agreement from Clio to be able to keep using it. Um, but one of the things is that the students in the course, uh, each of them did a field placement where they interacted with a solo or small firm practitioner. As it happened in the first time we taught it last spring, that field work happened before we really got the Clio launch up and running. Um, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity for the students to talk to the solo and small firm practitioners, uh, though I think one or two of them actually did use Clio. But part of what we uh, what we gathered last spring is that uh, lawyers, at least in Georgia, are either unfamiliar with the with cloud computing or very cautious about it, worried about confidentiality, security, ethical issues. I think that when we start the course next January and start off with Clio right away, we will probably assign some of the ethical opinions that have now come down about cloud computing. The students will be in a position to talk about that with uh, the field placement lawyers, and I think we're probably going to get, get some more interaction about that issue. Well, let's take that back to Jonathan and say, I, how did how did the firm you worked for? I, I understand were they a, a Utah firm? I don't think they were in Georgia. How did they react to uh, using it? Was it something they'd seen before? Did they uh, did they get any interest in using it from seeing how you were using it? Um, they, they actually had fairly limited exposure to it. Um, part of my agreement was just for me to use it. Um, ah, okay. Leo. But what I've shown to them. Um, they have all been impressed. 
um, with the things that are going on. I should I should probably mention my dad actually is one of the partners in the firm, so that's part of how I got the job in this hard market. But from what I've showed him, I'm still working on him to get him to switch over. He's he's tied up with the ethical issues that Professor Cunningham was talking about, um, and I I'm just trying to encourage him that to to switch and and upgrade and move over. It's kind of difficult with him though. And and so Clark, I I guess that uh, let's let's uh, you're planning to teach use this again in future class, and um, are you planning to to involve even more legal technology, or is Clio kind of giving you a good base that you'll you you'll work from, or uh, you know what other ways might you use technology in in the in the coursework? Well. Uh- I've used uh, various forms of technology quite a bit in my teaching over the years. So, uh, but I have been wanting for a number of years to to add case management software sort of to my toolkit. And before Clio came along, the difficulty with that was was the server based technologies were uh, were expensive and also required installation in probably a, a university based server tying up. Uh, the time of of university employees in in doing that um, often didn't have good remote access, uh, and so although I I had explored case management software a couple of times, I never actually implemented it in my teaching. Um, I actually am thinking about over time uh, seeing if some aspect of Clio could be introduced, for example, into the base in basic legal ethics course that I teach. Um, I know that. Uh, one of our reference librarians here at the law school is now using Clio uh, for her coordinating the work that her graduate research assistants are doing for, for law professors. She finds it a very convenient way to organize and uh, tasks uh, that she gives them and to keep track of time. So I think there are a lot of potential uh, adaptations of the software. Yeah, you made a really terrific point there that that uh, this sort of uh – the cloud-based approach is, becomes really attractive, especially in this type of setting, because you don't really have to deal with the whole university IT department and and some of the the specific hardware and software networking issues there. And that's a that's a terrific point. Well, I want to thank uh, Professor Clark Cunningham and Jonathan Call for being our guests on this segment of the Kennedy Mall Report. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Clio. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in less than, in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot com. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781 
651-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm Tom Mile. I want to introduce our next set of guests for this second segment of the Kennedy Mile Report. First up, we have Jack Newton, who is the president of Clio, uh, who, as I just mentioned uh, before we took a break, is a sponsor of the Kennedy Mile Report. Also with us is Andy Adkins, who Dennis and I have known for quite a while with the ABA's Law Practice Management section. Andy is currently president of the Legal Technology Institute, a private consulting practice, but up until about six months ago, he operated the Legal Technology Institute out of the University of Florida's uh, College of Law. Welcome, Jack and Andy. I would uh, like to start out by asking Jack a question. Jack, we've, we've talked with uh, Professor Cunningham and Jonathan Call about their use of Clio at, at uh, Georgia State. And um, for our users that aren't real familiar with Clio, can you give us just a, a brief explanation of what Clio does and then how you got involved with Professor Cunningham and his class at Georgia State? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, at, at a really high level, Clio is all about uh, just managing your, uh, helping you manage your practice. So, everything, managing the entire life cycle of a matter from uh, creating the client that's associated with a matter to um, creating the, uh, you know, actually creating the matter, tracking the progress of a case through the note-taking facilities in Clio, tracking the time you're registering against the case, and ultimately generating bills and, and you know, getting paid and, and tracking all the payments around a case as well. So that's really what, uh, what Clio is about. It, you know, as a class of tool is what you would call uh, a practice management and time and billing solution. Uh, and in, in terms of Professor Cunningham and how we, we got involved with, uh, with Georgia State University, there was uh, a, a couple of emails sent from uh, Professor Cunningham and his, and his staff to uh, myself and my co-founder, Ryan Govro, in terms of whether we'd be interested in uh, having Clio become part of uh, the, the curriculum, uh, their program at, at Georgia State. And we uh, thought it was a, a terrific idea and decided to make uh, Clio free of use for that kind of uh, educational uh, scenario. Great. Andy, you've been... Uh You've been in the working in a law school context for a long time, and I go back a long ways too. And I sort of remember, you know, the use of technology in law schools was was pretty much getting a Lexus account. But can you give us a bit of a historical perspective on how law schools approach the topic of teaching practice management skills to law students and 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 using technology in that context? Sure, be happy to. Uh, as you know, I was uh, with the University of Florida Eleven College of Law for 13 years and just recently uh, semi-retired uh, in June. Um, we actually started teaching law practice management, a full 14-week class, uh, back in 2002, uh, and it's still te- being taught today. Um, and, you know, obviously there's been a few changes. Um, technology is a big component of that, but it's not the only component because one of the things you want to look at in law practice management is really how do you manage a law firm or a practice. Uh, you know, typically students go to school to learn how to be lawyers and not necessarily how to practice law. Uh, and that was one of the downsides that we faced trying to get this class going. It took us four years to uh, to get this class in. But uh, what we eventually ended up doing was uh, creating a course curriculum 
that included how to manage a transactional practice and how to manage a litigation practice because they, they are a little bit different. Uh, and then we also incorporate technology, both the hardware and software, and we do include uh, case and matter management systems, which is one of my fortes as a consultant. Uh, but uh, I think the students today um, – oh, let me go back. Uh, by the way, when we first started teaching this, there was maybe five or six law schools around the country that had a law practice management course. Um, the last Cali um, conference that I went to about two years ago, there's, there's probably up around 30 to 35. We've got 200 law schools. Got a way to go, but I think that law schools are realizing that students do need to have practical skills about how to be a lawyer, not necessarily just the theory of law. Well, Jack, I wanted to to dive in just a little bit to exactly the kinds of services that you provided to the law students at Georgia State. And my understanding from talking with Jonathan was that that the the, the Clio the services that were provided to them, they were a- allowed to to customize them to to what they, how they were going to be use, using them. Can you give us a little background on 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 what they what tools they used as part of your your case? management software was it all of it was it just a subset and then and then how customizable is the tool i'm that's why i I guess i'm thinking if it was customizable for the law students and it's got to be customizable for any solo small firm lawyer that's out there and interested in a case management tool right so what what georgia state did is you know in their program they had a really neat setup where uh groups small groups of students were were able to set up you know more or less a, a virtual law firm within uh, within Clio. So there is one Clio account for all of Georgia State University that was being shared, but within that they were able to, you know, basically compartmentalize uh the the law firms um and we used uh you know what would be in a in a real law firm maybe referred to as ethical walls to kind of create those uh those separate law firms that basically had separate um, and isolated calendars and and matters and and so on for each list, and then they went through the life cycle of just what it's like to actually have an active caseload and tracking time against the matters. And the professors were able to uh, kind of look at the uh, the students and the progress they're making on the cases uh, and the time they're registering against the cases, just as maybe a um, you know, a partner might uh, kind of supervise uh, associates' work at a, a law firm. So that that's really the what was neat was the tools that were you know available in Clio to kind of customize and tailor a, a Clio account for you know a medium to, to large size law firm was able to be used in a, in a law school context to to create this kind of law firm simulation uh, environment. So it was uh, I think um, a really great experience for the the students as well to get that firsthand. Uh, experience and contact with with how to how to run uh, a law firm, and I, I think it's something that you know we at least would really like to see more uh, more law schools do. And and Tom, I remember you were you'd talk at the um, at Ignite Law at at the ABA Tech Show earlier this year, and right. you're really driving to the same to the same point that practice management software, the concepts around practice management, have to be a much more integral part of. Uh, of law schools, and that's something that that I think uh, we'd like to see an increased uh, adoption rate for. And I think the the cloud computing architecture, uh, where these tools are more easily be, uh, able to be rolled into the classroom without the involvement of you know IT and a whole bunch of IT support to get those out into the hands of students, might 
uh, might hold some real promise for seeing more more broad based adoption of the tools in the next few years. Yeah, Jack, that, I think that's a that's a great point, Andy. This seems like a, a, the 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 Georgia State Clio partnership on this just seems like a really great development in law schools, especially in in this this tough economy. But so, how does how does that Georgia State Clio partnership sort of fit into the historical context that you've seen? Is this um, is this sort of an evolution, or is it is it uh, is it more than that in in what you've seen with the technology companies uh, coming into law schools? Well, I think it depends on the law school and the the culture behind the law school too. I mean, the traditional law school doesn't really teach students how to be a lawyer; it teaches them the law. And I ran across this, and I've heard it so many times across the country, is that our mission is to teach the law, the theory of law, and not how to be a lawyer. That happens when you get out of practice. But as we all know, law schools are dumping out students left and right, and there's there's not as many jobs as there are students. So we're coming back to this uh, to this circle that says we need to have more practical skills for students to learn how to use this. Now, part of my 13-year tenure at, uh, at the law school, I was uh, also the IT director for about four years. So running into the obstacle that Jack mentioned about not being able to support specific software for different classes. I mean, we we had that problem, as most law schools do. Uh, most law schools have a clinic, a law clinic, um, a legal skills clinic. And a lot, I'd say probably about 60 to 65% of the law schools who do have a clinic are running some sort of case or matter management system. But they also run into the same problem that every semester they get a whole new set of students in. And it may be only 15 or 20, or it may be 40 or 50, depends on the size of law school. So now you've got to go through the security issues of uh, working through getting passwords and all of that, but not only getting the administration set up, but also teaching students how to use this stuff. So from a support perspective, uh, if you're looking at a system like Jack's, and there are a couple of them out there, um, you know, the Clio system is one of those that doesn't require a lot of hands-on IT support. So it looks, I mean, you know, it's a promising product to be used in law schools. Now, do you use it in the clinic? Obviously, yes. Can you use it in a classroom? I think you can, but it's not necessarily meant for every type of class. I think if, when you look at specifically for a law practice management type class or something where you do have uh, some resemblance of a law firm environment, obviously that'd be a great place to put it. And I, I, I'd really take my hat off to Jack for making a lot of that stuff happen. Well, Jack, let me ask you, uh, ha- have there been other opportunities to do this with other law schools? And I, and I guess, are there any takeaways with uh, with working with Georgia State that, that have given you the ideas for improving uh, the partnership that you have either with Georgia State or with any other law school that, that might want this same kind of service? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we've seen uh, some really broad-based interest in, uh, in bringing Clio into the classroom from a number of other law schools that we're currently in uh, in talks with to get it get it rolled out, and our our approach is that we'll we'll make Clio free for for educational use, and uh, we've seen a lot of interest as a result of that. And I think Professor Cunningham's done a a great job of raising the awareness of how he's uh, using uh, practice management software in in his curriculum when he's talking around the country and so on. So I think we're seeing a, a little bit of a 
a snowball effect just as, as awareness uh, grows in the educational community about, um, you know, about this, this possibility. And, uh, you know, what, what really surprised uh, both myself and, and my co-founder Ryan when uh, the, the batch of students was, you know, coming out of the, the experience of, of using Clio at Georgia State was that students are really keen on getting this exposure. They see that it's a really critical skill and something that can help prevent them from, you know, running into problems when they, when they graduate. Uh, as, as Annie pointed out, the number of law schools that are, or number of students that are being uh, graduated every year is on, on the increase. There's fewer jobs and we're seeing more and more uh, lawyers, you know, hang out a shingle and go solo. And, and that's really, I, I think, changing the, the landscape of what law schools need to be doing in terms of, of putting tools in their, in their students, um, hands. And, and, uh, you know, we saw several students from the Georgia State class say, Hey, can I, can I have some continued free access over the remainder of my, uh, you know, student career so that I can stay brushed up and, and experienced with the, the software and we were able to, to extend that as well. So I think that's one of the big takeaways and, and the big takeaway as well is that with the success that we've seen at, at, at Georgia State, we'd like to see it really, uh, be a more broad-based program. And I think there are a lot of enhancements we could make to, uh, to Clio to, to tailor it, uh, more, uh, specifically at the needs of an educational context. And we're looking forward to working with Professor Cunningham in, in the next semester coming up in just a couple of months here in terms of, uh, some improvements they've got in mind for, uh, for Clio in the classroom. And then Andy, I know that, uh, like me, you're an optimist and, but you're also a realist on all of this. So are you, do you feel more optimistic about these types of initiatives taking off in law schools than you did a year ago? I do. Um, I'm seeing it more. I'm hearing about it more. Uh, like, you know, the, the hard part and I, 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 the law school was very good to me, so I don't want to talk too much bad about it, but one of the problems that I ran into was in the law practice management course. We know that students want it because it's a practical skills type class. We know that alumni want it because they wish they had it when it was there. And we know definitely that recruiters want it. Typically, the holdup is the faculty, what I call the third floor. Um, because trying to, again, get into this habit of, you know, teaching practical skills, which is typically done on the first floor level, versus the theory of law, which is on the third floor level, you get into this culture, and University of Florida was one of those, just like many of the old established law schools that are out there. But the fact is, we are seeing more and more practical skills class in the areas of law practice management and technology and software. So I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, there for, the, for many years, probably the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years, We've seen uh, in the law clinics, there's been uh, a host of case and matter management systems that have been put in there. Most popular ones are Amicus Attorney and Time Matters. Uh, you'll see a few, ta- a few practice master in there. But, you know, these are geared towards smaller firms, which is typically what a law clinic is. I do know that Clio is making some moves. Um, and you're finding them in a lot of areas in law schools, which I think is very good. Um, and like, like I said, I see the trend moving towards trying to implement these new systems because this is what our students are coming to school with. They, they're already technology savvy, at least most of them, and they, they know how to organize. So they just need some of these uh, practical tools to figure out 
how do they organize their clients and how do they organize their studies. Well, it sounds like that while a lot of schools have made some great strides on on this, we still have a good ways to go. So fodder for future discussions. I want to thank both Jack Newton and Andy Adkins for being our guests on the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Today, we have a combined parting shot about a new project Tom and I have gotten involved in. It's called the Legal Skills Prof blog, and it relates directly to the uh, the program we had today. Tom, I, I have to say, after the interviews we did, I'm, I'm really optimistic and a little bit excited about these types of developments. There's, there is, as Andy said, such a disconnect these days between what's being taught at law schools, the expectations of, of law firms, of, of new lawyers coming out, what the, what the law students want to have, and, and, and a gap between what the tools can do and what people realize they can do. So this to me is, is a terribly exciting area. And the Legal Skills Prof blog uh, that we're going to be involved in is a blog that's meant to, to cover developments in the teaching of practical skills um, in, in the law school setting and, uh, and how legal education is changing uh, to focus on what lawyers really need to do their jobs. No, I, I agree. The, uh, the Legal Skills Prof blog is part of the terrific Law Professor Blogs Network, and we're not alone blogging there. We're the only non-professors that are blogging there. There are a couple of others. Uh, I take that back. There's one assistant attorney general blogging there, but uh, everybody else is a professor of law in legal writing or research or lawyering skills or things like that. So I, we're I'm quite honored to be asked to join. Uh, I, I think that that. As we've discussed, and as Andy pointed out, one of the major uh, obstacles to practice management being taught in the law schools in, in general is is that area of law professors who believe that law school is about the substance of law and not about the business. Uh, we, we don't teach about the business of the practice of law in law school. We only teach about the substance. And uh, and there are a number of, of famous quotes with law professors of old saying things like that. And it's good to see that that law professors like Andy, like Professor Cunningham, are, are coming out against this, like the folks on the Legal Skills Prof blog, they're they're coming out saying that there's much more that needs to be learned. And so I'm very encouraged by this trend. I'm just hoping that we can get law practice management programs started at more than just 30 or 35 law schools around the country. Like I said, I I still think we have a long way to go. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes wiki at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. This podcast will definitely help you improve your practical skills. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. 
Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.